Welcome to our new podcast, Discovering Community Psychology, a podcast hoping to make community psychology ideas and practice more accessible. Throughout our first mini-series, we'll be speaking with numerous psychology professionals about their work, highlighting and celebrating variety and the impact of their positive practice, influenced by community psychology ideas and values. Hi and uh, welcome to this episode of Discovering Community Psychology. My name's Juliet Young and I'm a, a trainee clinical psychologist. And I'm Gina and I'm also a trainee clinical psychologist. Um, and we're also uh, this evening uh, joined by some other members of our collective in this podcast as well as the people that um, we've invited on the episode tonight um, and they're going to be asking some questions in the chat and we might be putting them forward. I guess the first thing we, we're going to do is, is introduce um, Rachel who's here from Mac UK and we've also got Katie and Shakira so I wonder whether um, Rachel you'll introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, thank you. Hi, I'm Rachel McHale. I'm a clinical psychologist uh, at Mac UK and currently I lead a project um, called the Trusted Relationships Project in conjunction with Art Against Knives. I guess I just, um, well, we just wondered, Rachel, um, why you didn't, why you um, wanted to invite Art Against Knives to tonight's podcast episode. Yeah, so I thought about that a lot and how to uh concisely put it into words it's, it's very hard I guess I just reflecting on clinical psychology um you know it's a sort of as a profession we do so much talking about you know social inequality and prevention and co-production and prior to working at Mac UK I found myself in training and in other settings thinking you know what is all the talk going to achieve and um, what you know what are we distracting away from and are we just making ourselves sort of feel better um and I realised, I, I wonder if we find it really hard to say, actually, we don't really know what we're doing and we probably really need some help. Um, and I don't I don't think we can do uh, community work alone and I don't think we should. So the best news for me is that we don't have to. And I think there's just incredible people working day in, day out in ways that align with uh, sort of things I've learned about community psychology for such a long time pushing for change so I'm so thrilled you're doing this podcast it's really exciting to be talking about this and it feels really important to um, acknowledge and honour people who've been working this way for a long time and to really make sure that clinical psychology doesn't come in and take over and acclaim this um, approach as our own because you know we've got history of doing things like that um so I am a clinical psychologist I'm community psychology is very very important to me but um, the best and most exciting part of my job by far is working with Art Against Knives. Um, I just, I can't tell you how much I learn from them every single day. Um, not just about their incredible work with young people, uh, where I think co-production is not just a tokenistic way, it's weaved into the fabric of like everything they do. And we don't just talk about social inequity. Um, and to be fair, they just inject so much energy, love and care into the work. Um I could just never come here to talk about my work at Mac UK without them being here uh, with me. So I think that's that a good opportunity to to introduce Katie and Shakira from Art Against Knives. Hiya, so I'm Shakira. Um, I am a programme manager at Art Against Knives. Um, I've been with the organisation for nearly five years now. 
um, and held various roles whilst there. It's a phenomenal um, charity to work for in terms of we actually do what we say on the tin um, and young people are at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, we work really hard as a collective um, and are really, I suppose, in an advantage um, for the fact that we work with people like Mac UK, um, for example, that we have the opportunity to learn, um, have spaces to enhance our, our knowledge and understanding and work with, um, I suppose, expertise in, we wouldn't necessarily have um, the benefit of working with outside of this environment. So yeah, that's in essence kind of what we do, just in a nutshell. But um, yeah, that's me. Hi everyone, um, I'm Katie. Um, so I founded Art Against Knives in 2010 um, in response to the unfortunate stabbing of my best friend, Oliver Hemsley. Um, but the charity was built in response to that, but really on the values of young people that we met at that time. Um, and what became very clear to us immediately when we were thinking about what we wanted to do was that actually nobody was asking young people, <laughs> um, putting them in the lead and also doing another really important part of um, asking young people what they think, actually investing in their ideas and putting them in the lead of the intervention themselves. So the whole charity was built on that foundation and that wish to ensure that actually um, young people are in the lead um, and we're going to back them, invest in them and support them in driving the solution. Um, I actually um, have been running the charity for 10 years and I actually officially left in uh, December last year. So um, I'm, I'm here as an honorary member of the team tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Um... I guess what might be really interesting is um, for you guys to perhaps have a conversation and, and, and maybe for Rachel to um, talk about talk about the collaboration, the way you guys are working together and, and kind of, yeah, how you work together, what you're doing, what's what that all looks like. Um, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'll just start to say a bit about where Mac UK is at at the moment, because I've, I know that you had Sally Zotowitz on here before talking about Mac UK. Um, so I won't repeat that, but I guess Mac's sort of famous in a way for like co-production with young people. Um, and I really like value the story of Mac UK. But I suppose where we're at now is um, we're, we're taking on a dissemination approach. So the charity has been around for over a decade and learned so much about direct work with young people and establishing uh, trusted relationships with young people and communities and based on their wants and their needs and their solutions setting up projects but now we're in a, a phase of disseminating the learning and embedding ourselves into other systems um, so our project with Art Against Knives is called the Trusted Relationships Programme and um, uh, we are working together on a, the project is focused around supporting young people to build improve relationships between young people and the systems that they access. So this is young people at risk of criminal and sexual exploitation. Um, it's really hard to think about where to start about our work together. And I don't know if other people want to pitch in, but Mac UK's role in the partnership, maybe I could say about that, is to support the embedding of psychologically informed environments, co-production and uh, Mac UK's integrate model, which is what we've developed over the last 10 or so years um which is a kind of set of 
service and practice level principles based on putting young people at the center of everything we do and and building them into the design and delivery of services so um, our work with Art Against Knives is very much focused on supporting them um, in whatever way they need so we try we've tried to be really flexible and responsive and actually when we first start working together we're like oh we definitely don't need to teach this organization how to do co-production and actually we call it we say psychologically informed but actually everything they do is psychologically informed um i'll, I'll let them explain some of the ways in which they work um so currently we we um we have things like joint learning spaces together which we try our best to um, draw on the expertise of both um organizations um, we offer supervision for practitioners who are doing like this exceptional work. But I think the biggest part of the role, particularly my role with Art Against Knives, is we we um, are really invested in championing, championing systems to do things differently. And I suppose Mac UK's overall mission is to transform mental health services to better, better meet the needs of, of young people. So for some of the project, we're embedded in other statutory uh, services like social care to support the thinking of how to embed these ideas in those spaces. Shall I say a little bit more about how AAK and Mac UK met? Yeah, um, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, sometimes having a bit of a story, having a bit of a understanding of the history of, um, of how organisations have kind of come together, that's that's often really, really useful. Um, so Arts Against Lies and Mac UK have actually known each other for almost a decade, for a similar age. Um, and were around about and like invited to similar conversations kind of 10 years ago. Um, but in 2012, Art Against Lives decided to really focus in on a really community-based approach to our work. We wanted to think about how we were going to, I suppose, create the, the deepest impact that we possibly could as a really small charity. And um, that, that commitment took us to the borough of Barnet where we were actually invited by um, our colleague, Ricardo Stewart, um, who had both lived there and also worked there as a youth professional for years. And he recognised um, the need for um, really strong community-based youth work and felt that actually, by comparison to like other London boroughs, that there was absolutely nothing happening. There was no like voluntary sector infrastructure. There was very little. Um, opportunity for young people and some of these communities in which they lived were like incredibly marginalized both in terms of like statistics um and how the kind of the picture of of the community was painted externally but actually also kind of physically as well so um for example one of the estates we started working on Dollis Valley um is in High Barnet and like most of the young people that we met there in 2012 and a lot of them hadn't even been into central London before. So there was a real sense of like um, us wanting to go where it was almost harder to be, where there was little funding, <laughs> um, but like the biggest possible need, um, which was a big, a big leap as a, as a small charity when, you know, funding is everything. If you want to be able to, you know, actually action what you see you can do, but um, as you'll hear in this podcast, it was like the best decision that we ever made. Um, and what it did is it gave us the opportunity to go in and like build relationships with young people in the community and listen to them. And we actually did that um, by hanging out and spending time and getting to know them and not assuming that they should 
want to hang out with us or attend anything that we were to put on. Um, and it was through that hanging out that we were able to meet actually a community of young women on Dollis Valley Estate. Um, we did that by painting nails. So um, the kind of act of painting nails of the young women like gave us the opportunity to build relationships, create a space that felt really neutral. Um, it's quite a nurturing thing to do, isn't it? To, to paint people's nails is something about connecting with other people just, yeah. In, in, a, in quite a different way but also not quite a normal way um yeah and I, I you know I don't think like we realized the power of that and, until afterwards in many ways but I suppose what it allowed us to do is like yeah meet young women and very quickly a couple of them like turned to like over 30 and um it was through those conversations that they had they came up with the idea of wanting to run a project on the estate they wanted to open a nail bar called Dollar Stoll's Nails and specifically their mission was to put the, the estate on the map for something positive and not just negative things like stabbings. It had a particular kind of focus, like pre-2011 riots. It was, you know, the, the community were really struggling with, like, the image that had been created of young people in that community. Um, they did that, and I, there, were, there was lots of things that they said that they wanted to happen, and, and like, I suppose they, they also helped shape the values of Art Against Knives today, so... That's things like being consistent. We can we we heard time and time again. Oh, we we're used to seeing people come in, but you'll only be here for six weeks and then you're gone again. Or we're used to doing a project and it starts and it stops and we never see people again. And obviously, we know like you know the cuts play a huge role in a lot of that. But that was really that was really something we didn't want to do. Um, we heard. Um, that actually young women specifically wanted a space that was just for them. Um, they felt that that was important and that was something they needed in order to feel safe. Um, we heard that actually they wanted to do um, paint nails, but they also wanted to do loads of other things. <laughs> and that actually that, that didn't mean it just had to be one thing. It could, it could change and grow and morph and actually each week or each session could be different. Um, so Dollis Dolls um, actually opened in... Um, October 2012 um, and it's been open 48 weeks of the year every single year since <laughs> I've actually lost track of how old it is now it's seven Shakira no <laughs> um are you, are you not doing is it not 10 years this year since Art Against Knives we should know this is it 10 years is it, I think it's, it's I think it's 10 years, years this year yes so that makes um Dallas Dolls eight years this year which is incredible. Um, we've since opened three other nail bars, like taking exactly the same approach. So going in, not assuming anything. Nails have been a really powerful way of going in and having those conversations, but we've never assumed that that's, a nail bar would be what they want. Um, so we have Dollar Stoll's Nails, NW9 Nails, and Vale's Nails, all in Barnet. Um, I don't know, Shakira, do you want to talk more about the nail bars? I know I'm supposed to be telling a story about Mac UK and Art Against Knives, but it feels like great to hear yours. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I think Katie's um, obviously set the scene for how the nail bars came about. Um, and as long as I've been involved with Art Against Knives, I've seen, you know, like hordes of young people coming, flocking to those spaces um, for many reasons, um, to be part of the creative activity, for the fact that it's considered a very safe space. 
um, that it's embedded in the heart of the community, um, so it's accessible. Um, the fact that we've opened up several nail bars across the borough means that we have more scope to, I suppose, support people in other areas, you know, whereby when we were placed in, you know, say, for example, just Donis Valley, um, people who were maybe from North Finchley wouldn't be able to access that space because they don't have fund to to get you know to pay for transport or you know things like that so the fact that we've actually been able to establish ourselves in different hubs of the borough has been fantastic and given lots of young people in different parts to have that opportunity to join us and um being present in those spaces over the years that I've been around I just see um what young people describe actually is like a sort of like a home away from home and in some instances they will say it's better than home or it's safer than home or you know they feel like it's a sort of family environment and in you know in some instances it's like a family environment that they don't have outside or you know they've never had the benefit of or what they imagine a family should look like or feel like they feel that they get that from being um involved in those spaces and um that we touched on a little bit earlier about the importance of co-production and that's at the forefront of everything that we do. So young people come into our spaces and they literally design our spaces. So that's everything that's, you know, from what's on the walls to um, what the activities are, to how things are placed, to what snacks they, they, you know, they eat, you know, what we have, the music that's played in the space, it's their space. And they have a real sense of ownership over that space, you know. Um, so that's the reason why, in my opinion, um, that young people, you know, are consistently attend because it feels very comfortable. It feels very safe. They're very happy. Um, and I can honestly say to you, um, in addition to the nail bar spaces, we have um, the lab space, which is a music space. We have a, a creative space, which is another day, which is a, a Thursday. And the, the attitude is the same across the board in terms of young people coming to the doors. They come to the spaces early, um, even when we're not open and, you know, are insisting to be let in. They leave late. Sometimes we have to literally physically try and boot them out of the space because they don't want to leave. So then we will do things like, you know, negotiate and give people responsibilities. And, you know, that then leads on to further opportunities to become involved in the activities from a, a professional perspective. We we have um, opportunities for young people to actually have roles within our organisation, you know, to take um, responsibilities in an array of different things, everything from setting up space to being involved in our recruitment processes to becoming employees, paid employees, or having, you know, um, placements that they do alongside education, um, their studies with us. So, yeah, I think... Um, what we offer, I mean, if I can sort of just um, paraphrase what young people say, it's like a home away from home and a really safe space. And they they always say they love it. And I think part of that is also to do with the relationships they build with the staff. So it's, it's interesting that the um, partnership is actually called trusted relationships, because in essence, that's fundamentally what we do as well, build trusted relationships with young people. Can I just add, I think what's really important is to say that these are young people who are not going anywhere else. They're, they're not showing up to their appointments at CAMS. They're not, um, they're labelled, you know, as, as hard to reach in other systems and people are struggling to get hold. And these are the kids that are like banging down the door to get <laughs> out against nice. So I suppose like for me, it's like, this is how, you know, seeing and work with them, like this is how you do it like plain and simple like this is how you do it 
so I just felt it's important to highlight these aren't these are kids with whose lives have so much complexity in them um so just wanted to add that I think what particularly inspires me about your work is how original and innovative it is working with people therapeutically using projects such as the nail bars feels quite far removed from the evidence-based psychological interventions and yet I think it's so valuable to promoting the women's well-being and and clearly works for the women I guess from a theoretical point of view it makes sense why this social interaction through the medium of touch would be so powerful for those involved and I guess it just makes me wonder more about interventions which have limited or no research evidence but are very successfully implemented into practice. And I, I just think it's really inspiring um, when you talk about the need to challenge existing ways of working, which are so often doing to rather than doing with. I guess I'm just wondering whether you could talk a bit more about the real benefits of doing with, i.e. taking a co-production approach. And perhaps alongside that, consider the, some of the challenges in working this way. I can jump in there. Um, I have worked with young people for 16 years um, in various roles, in various organisations. And I can honestly say that the day that I stepped foot through the doors of um, 12 Grand Arcade, which is where our main space is, I saw something that I'd never seen before whilst working with young people, was that young people were, as I said before, put in the forefront of absolutely everything. And I think that when you, when young people are um, given an opportunity to share their views, their experiences, their stories, and they feel as though they're being heard, listened to, considered, um, you know, there's no patronising, there's no undermining. It's a case of I'm listening to what you're saying. I respect what you're saying. You have the freedom to be as expressive or not as you as you want to. Um, you can just be, and I'm going to meet you where you're at. I think that's the basis of which we are able to build those relationships, because we don't really I mean it's really interesting somebody asked yesterday um, we were holding interviews and somebody asked about expectations and what you know if young people have to have certain criteria to come into our spaces and I actually was like well no not really you know as long as you you know you don't even have to live in the borough I was about to say long but you don't even live in the borough we have young people who come from all different parts of, of you know South London all the way an hour and a half journey all the way to our spaces I suppose the only expectation is that you adhere to our uh, code of conduct. We don't even call it rules. And that's just to be respectful in the space and to be mindful of your conduct and obviously not, you know, um, behave in a way that other people would be uncomfortable, you know. And if you're if you were feeling um, as though it was difficult to contain your emotions, then the expectation would be that you would speak to somebody and then, you know, take some time out, you know. Um, but aside from that, there are no expectations. You come as you are. You show up in your school uniform, you know, literally at 3.35 and we are welcoming. And if you want to sit down in the session and not partake, that's fine too. If you want to be actively involved, if you want to create your own programme, if you want to. And I think that's what makes it um, so unique um, for the fact that it's almost like an open door policy. You come as you are. We meet you where you're at. Um, we have no expectations of you. Um, if you literally, we've had young people that have come for years and not participated in any of the creative activity and just been there. 
And that's okay. You know, there is absolutely no pressure for you to get involved in your own time. Obviously, you have the, you know, the opportunity to do that. Um, And I think, as I said, that's what enables us to build those relationships from. So when people, you know, use terms like hard to reach and stuff, that's that's not really in our vocabulary because we don't consider that to be an obstacle. You know, nobody's hard to reach. We just meet them where they're at and allow them to shape the relationship. In, in you know in a time frame that's appropriate and suitable to them so we don't push you know because we don't have to meet targets based on you know you can only be here for a period of time you could come for three weeks and disappear for a year and then turn up a year later and and I think as I said that's what makes a really good relationship um because you feel safe you feel considered you feel secure um and we're meeting you where you're at as opposed to having expectations of you to meet us where we're at you know I just I just build on that as well like so curious to explain what it's like to be in the space we also often say like it's very hard to describe you actually you do actually need to, to turn up and experience it but I think that that's down to the fact that it's co-produced right and like we can't sit here and take credit for the spaces or their successes because they are generally owned and designed by young people and its success is based on the fact that they've built it and they've contributed to that and I think the and, you know the, the impact of that is that about 80% of the young people we we support on an annual basis are self or peer referred. So the ripple effect of that trust and that that sense of acceptedness or like the willingness, the yeah, the willingness to want to be there is echoed in the fact that like we literally have to turn up every week and they also do the turning up and they're bringing their friends and they're making recommendations. You know, we've seen everything from like young women like encourage men whether that's you know family members boyfriends partners you know um, peers like to come as well so it's like that they are they're leading they're the ones suggesting and everyone's turning up out of choice to be there and that's that's the starting point of being able to um, support them as Rachel said with the complexities that are going on in their lives so we're really um, through the trusted relationships partnership really trying to think together like with the local authority and other VCS groups about how do you try and achieve that through like a more statutory formal referral process <laughs> so how can you put a young person in the lead of a referral process and get rid of this whole premise that they're being a, it's a form that's informing <laughs> where they're going and, and what that looks like and yeah how do you recreate that so Again, we're actually not really doing that. I'm talking like we're doing it. We're asking young people <laughs> to redesign that process and to tell us what it should be. Um, so yeah, those are just examples of like the power of co-production. And and my experience has been, it's you can't go wrong. <laughs> it's like you can't go wrong because you're listening to young people's ideas and you're building on their needs and wants. And like, that's what's made the work and Arts Against Lives so successful or what they it's been able to achieve. You mentioned something about trusted relationships. Is that what you mentioned? Um, is that the name of the collaboration between you guys? Is that something that, yeah, I don't know. You got, well, you've already talked a bit about it, but if you could talk a bit more about that, I don't know, Rachel, whether you want to talk. It, yeah, it feels really important to talk about, but I was just going to chip in and say, like what I, you asked about benefits of co-production, just kind of the opportunity to work alongside Art Against Knives. Like these are kids where like, the narrative about them is so unhelpful and these are kids that are labelled gang members 
like you know if you look at the newspaper how people refer them as like feral youths they're so subject to like structural racism um these are kids like who the world is telling them like you're 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 worth like you're worth nothing basically and systems have you know failed them time and time again and then you've got art against knives and other organizations working this way of course saying like what do you think like it's just as simple as like what do you think what are your ideas um and there's there's I don't even know how to put into words how valuable that is because I I see that you know from Shakira explaining people are coming back like for years there's something in that like they're not going back anywhere else I think it's like respect mutual respect showing people like they have everyone has something to offer um no matter what you've been told or where you've been kicked out of or what the world tells you and who follows you around shops because they think you're going to rob them and you know no matter all of that everyone has something to offer but I do you think to highlight when to maybe bring into the trusted relationships project is like how easy that might be to do when you're permitted to work in that way um and where it's embedded into like the fabric as I said earlier because like it's it's tough it takes it takes longer you kind of have to people have to drop their own egos and agenda um yep. and the idea that we know what's best for young people because that's hard because we can all say like you know I don't know what Shakira I'm thinking of you Shakira I don't know what you say but sometimes like people are doing stuff we're like oh I really wish you weren't doing that but I'm not going to tell you what to do you know and and it's all of that and it's it's you you've really got us I don't know what you would say Shakira about that but like you have to stick at it and that can be tough when you want someone to be I don't know I don't know what you think yeah I agree I mean it, it can be quite complicated um because we work in such a unique way um and not everybody gets it and when you go into situations environments with wider systems and people have a completely different perspective it's kind of hard um because obviously you have to be considerate and respect what you know multi-agencies are saying and their way of working but it's it's difficult because um you feel as though you not necessarily have the antidote but you you kind of know the way of working that works you know so when you're in an environment and people are making all these decisions on behalf of young people um systems are in there and they're literally you know doing tick box exercises and there's not a young person in sight you know our attitude would be the young person should be here the young person should be you know instrumental in decisions that are made about them you know so the way that we would kind of I suppose incorporate young people in decision making is for example we hold things called formulation sessions which are um, Rachel supports us with and that's through our work that we do together and we invite young people to those sessions um, because it's a space where we are talking about them and um, in essence, trying to kind of dig deep and, and find out how we can best support them. So for us, it's just a case of, um, I suppose in some instances, we have to compromise a lot. Um, we have to kind of, you know, um, work in collaboration with, you know, wider systems um, and try and, I suppose, show our way of working um, has been effective and productive um, through the way that we communicate with them, you know? So we, we have to show our positive outcomes through, you know, things like reports and, you know, I suppose like, you know, our, our association and, and how we share information. But it can be quite frustrating because as Katie said, it's difficult to explain what we do and the power that, you know, 
I suppose, of putting young people in the lead that that has, you know, people don't necessarily get that because they consider young people not to have the knowledge. So therefore, how would they know we are best placed to make decisions on their behalf? And we kind of flip that whole thing on, on its head and give young people back their power. Um, and of course, we will guide and we will nurture and we will support. But, you know, it's like we're kind of doing it together collaboratively. And I think that's where they feel they do actually feel empowered as a result of that. You know, and that gives you a really good basis to start from in terms of working with them. I guess you've talked about the real, the toxicity of, of some of the narratives around young people, um, some of the labels that, that you were describing, Rachel, um, that that um, other services may use, um, systems may use, and also the real power of, of challenging those narratives, of changing them up and recognising that this narrative isn't an accurate picture of, of who this young person is. I guess I'm wondering when you're when you're in these collaborative uh, spaces with with systems who maybe have a different understanding of, of ways of working and maybe um, having to, to, to prove um, that the value of your work. Do you, do you ever find yourselves feeling like you need to be the expert or have the answers? And if, if so, how do you, how do you resist that? Because at the one hand, you really want to prove that the real value of your work and and how it's different, but also that your values. I'm, I'm hearing is to be a very non-expert and, and young person led. I just realised. Should we tell you about what we're doing together in that respect, and then go on to because what you're saying, I can see us all being like, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would be really that helpful because I realised we yeah. didn't talk about trusted relationships. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be really good to give a summary of that. Um, and then, yeah, go on to the other bits. Uh, Katie, do you want to? Yeah. Um, so, um, when Art Against Knives and Mac UK um, uh, obviously knew each other, and in 2018, Mac UK actually got some funding to do some work within Barnet Local Authority. And the first thing that Mac UK did when they got that money was to reach out to Art Against Lives, who they knew were working in the community in Barnet, to say, hey, we're here, we're in Barnet. Like, the, obviously, the first thing we're doing is coming to you. You're here. You're the experts. You've got the relationships with young people. Like, what do we need to know? Which says so much, obviously, about Mac UK and their approach and speaks to what Rachel was saying earlier about, um, yeah, you know, their values. And um, it meant a lot to us as well because... We, it, that, that approach is not common um, in the sector um, and um, that kind of like arm out let's collaborate you're the experts we're not doesn't happen very often so um, we spent a whole year like hanging out together and, and Mac UK um, came and spent a lot of time in our spaces to, to hear from young people about what Art Against Knives was and is and um, in 2018 there was an opportunity um, to, I suppose, develop our partnership together in the form of Trusted Relationships funding, which was released by the Home Office. So we co-designed a bid um, as a partnership at which was successful. Um, and what that's allowed us to do, or <laughs> allowed, allowed us to still do, because it's a, we're in the middle really, um, is actually spend four years <laughs> working together on a, on a, re a really long-term project. Um, and uh, it... I suppose this funding was appropriate and felt right for us um, as two organisations wanting to go into partnership because one of the things 
that we both recognised and were incredibly frustrated about was that there was never the opportunity to work so long term that actually in order to build trusted relationships, you have to invest time into a process. In order to do genuine co-production, you have to invest time in listening and building and listening again <laughs> and going back and round and that actually short-term funding doesn't allow for any of that happen to happen genuinely. Um, so this felt like the right fit. There's, there's like explicit parts of that bid, you know, and it's a, it's a great project. There's 11 across the countries. And what's really interesting about it is each, each project across the country is, is working in really different ways, depending on like the local need, which is, I don't know, in my experience, quite unique and like needed. So um, I described a bit earlier about what Mac and Art Against Knives do together, but um, we've we've also been invited in to share some of our ways of working with statutory services. Um, and we, uh, for example, are invited to participate in um, like meetings that are held about young people. So Art Against Knives will go from the perspective of knowing and representing and bringing and inviting the young people. Mac's role is to kind of help embed um, the Integrate model, uh, trying to suggest and meet services where they're at as well. So uh, it, 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 a difficult part of the work is that we're working quite far apart from each other. So to expect someone, you know, statutory systems to come immediately over to this totally co-produced, psychologically informed way of working is unrealistic. So have to constantly bear in mind where systems are at and the pressures that they're under, which are enormous, particularly right now. Um, but I suppose I see our working relationship a bit like we're allies in the room for young people um, to constantly bring back to, um, you know, asking what, what would they say if they were here? What do they think? Why they're not here? Um, but also, I guess, making sort of structural um, changes to how meetings are run, for example. Like, um, I'd say one of the best successes of the project so far was um, going to a steering group. We have a steering group that oversees a lot of the community working Barnet, And one of the Art Against Knives and Max update was a drill track and artwork. Um, so we had um, some music produced in the lab. And of course, there are lots of interesting narratives about drill music in the spaces that we're in. Um, but we had lots of social workers, senior management, people peering in from the rooms around the corner um, to say, this is our update. And it was a track produced by a young person. Um, so there were moments of these like wonderful celebrations, <laughs> um, but it's hard. It's hard when you have all have very different pressures on you, all have different, um, I don't know, ideas about what, work with young people looks like but I think I don't know what what keeps me in it is connecting that somewhere deep down in all of this structural crap people's values are there you know people really care and I think I don't know about you Shakira and Katie what you would say about being in that space is but if we didn't constantly take other people's positions in mind and recognize that people do care um, I don't really know how I'd, <laughs> I don't know how I would do it. Yeah, I think Art Against Knives has been on a journey as well, you know, and, and the work with Mac UK and um, training like Ambit along the way has really helped us like do that and achieve that and make sure we're consistent in holding those perspectives. 
we've gone on a journey of of really feeling like um we are not welcome in the borough by the local authority um not feeling like we are able to um uh work in partnership and it felt more against at certain periods of our journey um but actually uh, what we were seeing playing out was the the need for there to be a partnership and the need for us to be working together because the gap between young people and the really important services <laughs> and support that keeps them safe was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that actually we recognized that we needed to play a role in helping that bridge that gap and and actually utilizing the relationships that we had built with young people to help leverage others um to be able to use our safe spaces to um I suppose expand and build those relationships so that um, uh, younger people can feel safe in other spaces as well, not just ours. And that actually, um, at some point, some of the work felt very focused around young people. Not that we'd ever see young people as like needing to be the things that change, but actually because they had so many incredible ideas that we also played a role in helping those ideas be heard by the systems around them. Um, and that's really what this partnership and the work with Mac UK has has enabled us to do. It's to help like those voices be heard <laughs> and to influence change so much wider than just the spaces that they've created with Art Against Knives and the relationships that we have. Um, and I think like for me anyway, that's just been like the most powerful thing to watch over the past three years is, is that, you know, that really shape and really take place. Um, and again, to your questions earlier around like the power of co-production, I mean, that's it, right? Young people do have the answers <laughs> and there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the systems around them. Um, so let's look to them for the answers, but also let's invest in them. Let's support them. Let's pay them <laughs> for their time. <laughs> um, and let's make that like a really valuable like um, opportunity for young people where they're also being upskilled um, and supported in being heard in those spaces and um, I think you know for me a big realization was actually how much it's not as simple as just inviting young people into a room there's a lot of work that needs to go on to make that room <laughs> feel safe <laughs> and work not in, from young people like they're going to turn up but work from professionals to make sure that we're setting up spaces so that there is not a power imbalance <laughs> that they can feel safe and heard and express themselves. And like, that's really where a lot of the work needs to be done. I think it's just been so powerful to hear from you all tonight about not only the ways that you really get the young people's voices heard, but just also the creativity and, and the originality. And I guess we've heard from a lot of people all doing different ways of, of working with the community and working alongside um, groups of people but some of the some of your the ideas that, that you've talked about is just is really inspiring and it's been great to see just how how much co-production sits at the heart of what of what you do um, I, I feel like we could talk talk for hours about this it's, it's really it's lovely to to hear about some of some of your work I'm just aware of the time so um Shakira, I wondered whether you wanted to just mention about the the Art Against Knives podcast. If anyone else wants to to hear more about it, because I'd, I'd love to, I'd definitely love to to 
to listen into that too. Thank you, Doki. Um, so it's really interesting that um, obviously we've spent a significant amount of time talking about co-production and um, that's literally the, the best example of co-production. Um, we have, as we I think mentioned earlier on, the lab space, which is our, our music space that's, that, that's run on a weekly basis and it's one of our most popular spaces in terms of like we always over capacity in terms of the young people the amount of young people that come through the door so um just quite organically young people you know get involved in different music activities in that space four or five different things are happening at once somebody's producing somebody's djing somebody's mixing etc um, and quite naturally, we were kind of sitting around a table one day and then there was a microphone on hand and then somebody said something along the lines of, I don't know, I can't remember what the topic was, but started talking using this mic and then we ended up passing the mic around the room. And then literally within five minutes after that, I thought, hold on a minute, that could have been recorded and been a fantastic podcast. So that um, was literally how our podcast sort of semi-started. I went to Katie and said, Katie, I think we need to do a podcast. We've got these fantastic young people who've got fantastic views. Uh, we need to share what they're saying. Um, they want to be, they want this platform to be able to express themselves. And as Katie always does, she makes things happen. So, um, you know, within a couple of months, we were in um, partnership with Apple and, and Guap magazine and um, they supported us to teach our young people to create a podcast and also a digital magazine. So we ran sessions over um, five weeks last summer and young people were um, very lucky to have masterclasses with industry professionals. Um, people who actually work in podcasting and teach them every aspect of creating a podcast from scratch. And um, as a result of that, we've then gone on to create our own internal podcast. And um, we are, we have, I think, presently about five or six young people who are actively involved in it. Um, we started recording on Monday. Um, so we have equipment and um, we hope to teach young people how to use all of that equipment, um, do everything from the branding to um, literally the production element to the editing. Um, so it's really, really, really exciting. So we'll be promoting it on the website, um, which is Art Against Knives website. Um, it's called One Mic at the moment. Um, we're still in discussions in terms of um, the subject matters and the themes, because um, just as an example from our introductory um, session on Monday, one conversation led on to about include about 20 different themes. So we now have to really sit down and kind of break that down in terms, because we could actually just talk forever, you know, and young people's views um, are just are just so incredible, you know. Um, their views of the world, their, their voices, um, the things that they have to say, the way that they actually want to empower other young people is also just so inspirational. So um, we're not actually out yet, but we will be soon. Um, so anybody who wants to, you know, tune in later down the line, just check out the website, which is artagainstknives.com. And um, yeah, please do support. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to, to that coming out. So once you've got your fix of discovering community psychology, you can get over to, to Art Against Knives. Um, yeah, just to reiterate, it's just been so lovely having all of you and talk about the real power um, of co-production. Um, yeah, so just a massive, a massive thank you to you all and good night. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are Discovering Community Psychology. We're also over on Twitter at Discovering Community Psychology. And we'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas or thoughts on today's or any of our other episodes. So please do get in touch.